Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and you are listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I'm here with Russ Hudson. Uh, he's a cannabis consultant and author of the children's book, What's That? What's the Weed? And autobiography, Weed Deeds from Seed to Sage. Uh, we've been we've been hanging out for a little while, man. How are you doing? It's, it's nice to see you. Thanks for having me, Tim. Uh, it's really good to be here in Burlington. Yeah, you're, you're only my second guest that uh, has been... You know, actually, in in my studio. Uh, so, so welcome. Cool, thanks. <laughs> um, so let let's get right into it, man. Uh, first, you know, tell me about yourself. How, how, you know, you have a you have a very interesting background. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's really cool to to get to know you. Uh, but tell the listeners, you know, about yourself and how you ended up in the space, man. Well, basically, uh, I spent 20 years in the black market side of cannabis. Um, I was a street kid, ran away from an adoptive home when I was about 11 years old and um, went on the streets and started surviving. And one of the ways that I found that was easy to survive and fairly safe was uh, selling weed as a street level dealer. Um, over the years that blossomed into trafficking of all different sizes, uh, smuggling, growing, uh, special projects, uh, brokering. And then about seven years ago, when the legal movement really started to gain ground, I started doing some legitimate writing work in the cannabis space. And eventually that blossomed into a consultancy where I could provide advice on lots of different areas related to cannabis. So you're really open about your past, which is a little surprising. Um, you know, I, I think for maybe a lot of people to even hear you, to hear you say that. So, you know, why, why are you able to talk so freely uh, about, about sort of the, the illicit dealings uh, before you, you know, became legitimate? I don't really see that there's any risk to me now. I mean, I, in my book, Weed Deeds, I detailed quite a few things that are obviously highly illegal, interstate smuggling. But uh, I checked with attorneys and it's not illegal to say that you did these things, but there's no evidence or no crime that was ever actually committed in the eyes of law enforcement. They have nothing to prosecute me on. So... It was a risk in the sense of I faced some alienation from people who don't work uh, in the industry or people who are not supportive of uh, cannabis legalization, but I was looking to cut them loose anyway. <laughs> um, so now, now that you're now that you're legit and you know have been for quite some time, um, you're you're a cannabis consultant. So so explain what you exactly do. Uh, a lot. A cannabis consultant is a general term, and I think most cannabis consultants do specialize in certain areas, especially uh, those who specialize in areas of the law, those who specialize in um, setting up new cannabis businesses. Uh, and I do a little bit of both of those, but I also advise um, small, medium, and large grow operations, uh, cannabis clubs um, on how to produce better uh, quality marijuana, how to produce better quality 
members um, and uh, marketing, bringing new cannabis products to different international markets. Um, so there's a lot to it. Um, and I also offer a, a fixer service for, for the media and I write my own content for my own websites. So cannabis consultant is a, a very general sort of term. So of, of, you know, the, the many hats that you wear uh, most sort of recently, uh, you've been wearing that author's hat. Um, I mean, you, your first book was when did you write your first book, uh, this summer, the uh, the weed deeds. Yes. So in, going into that, you know, with, with your sort of history, when, when did you sit down and decide a, that you were going to write the book and B what you were actually going to include in that work? It all progressed over the years. Um, my exact position now was an accident that developed through evolution of, of my life. Um, so I'm sorry, can you, can you narrow the question just a little bit? <laughs> so, so, you know, when was it that you decided to sit down and write the, you know, write the autobiography and, t- and tell your story? After the Vice documentary, uh, there was a documentary about me by Vice Media uh, came out. I started getting thousands of emails from people. And most of those emails, the content um, was positive. They were supportive of what I did. But more importantly, they wanted to know how they could do that too. And I didn't have any easy answers for them. Because for me to do my job, took the um, use of a, and learning of a lot of different skills over a long period of time and thinking of clever ways to utilize those skills to make something happen. It wasn't an easy message where I could just say to people, you need to go to school and get a degree in cannabis medicine because also that doesn't exist. So I had always wanted to be an author and um, I've been writing for a long time um, and I discuss in Weed Deeds how I used to write uh, essays for people, which of course, as we know, is is very illegal and wrong. Um, But I always wanted to be a writer. I wanted to write books. And when I realized that the biggest question that people had for me is how did I become a cannabis consultant? That's when I realized that I can't give them a straight answer. I need to give them a long answer. And here it is. It's a 263 word book. Page book. Uh, Yes. 263 (laughs) page book. Excuse me. Um, So, so then, then recently, you know, you've, you've written the, you know, this, this children's book, what's that weed? Um, you know, and, and you, you feature your daughter in, in the book. And I mean, it's, it's definitely a far cry from an autobiography, right? Um, you know, you didn't follow up your autobiography with a, you know, sort of, sort of a, 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 you want to be a cannabis consultant book, right? You know, you, you, you followed up with this, this children's book and, um, you know, so, so how does that transition happen, man? Like, like, I don't know how that happened. I'm working on other books. I'm working on a book right now about <laughs> Turpins, uh, and I'm working on a book about the history of the Spanish social club model, uh, which is a really fascinating story. So there's going to be a factual history text coming from me. There's going to be a research text coming from me, um, and possibly some other things. But the reason the kids book came now is because my daughter is six years old. She can read now. She couldn't read before. Now 
I can give her a permanent record of anti-cannabis lies. All children up till this point have basically been fed a, a bowl of lies about cannabis and, and marijuana. And this is my chance to set the record straight. This is a permanent record now. She has this forever. And other parents who want to help records set the record straight have this tool that they can use to do that. If I waited a few more years as my daughter gets older, it's not quite as appealing to her. So I think now was was the most logical time. And she was begging me to write a kid's book. <laughs> so so you have read this with your daughter. Yes. And, you know, what, what did she ask you questions afterward? You know, I mean, if you mind telling me sort of about that, that interaction. The reality is she, this book didn't discuss anything that she didn't already know. You know, I've been honest with my daughter since the day that she was born. I've never lied to her about anything, including Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and all that stuff. When she asks me a question, I tell her the truth. Um, and so she's already seen me working in the industry. She's seen me growing. Um, we eat weed leaves in our salad. Um, and she's seen me help very sick cancer patients figure out how to treat themselves. And she's there with us when we have these conversations. I don't exclude her from anything. Um, so she's always been a part of it. She's always known that cannabis is not a bad thing and it's very useful. And her only real question to me has been, why do other people think that it's wrong? So that has been the focus of our conversation, why other people think it's wrong. And, um, this was our fun way of, uh, you know, doing a daddy daughter thing together. She's the star of this book and hopefully other parents and kids will get that message that it's okay to use cannabis for all the different things that it's used for. How, how does she feel about being the star of the book? <laughs> she loves it, you know, <laughs> and, um, the artist of the book actually has never met her, but he did a really good job portraying her. She's a very fun, free spirited, super intelligent girl. Um, so she likes it. And on the first book tour that we did, she went with me as we went to libraries, giving the books away to libraries in Maine. And she really liked that too. So when you, when you take this into, uh, retail outlets or, you know, to, to sell, what's, what's the reaction of the people that you show it to? If they're cannabis related, the reaction is invariably good. In fact, um, most people where I've gone into retail establishments, they have uh, agreed to start selling the book in their establishment, uh, including here in Burlington. Um, Outside of the cannabis industry, the reaction is slightly different. Um, in Maine, at most of the libraries that I went to, they were very enthusiastic about accepting the book and stocking it on their shelves for people to, to read in the children's section. A couple of libraries were very um, cold and resistant and I don't expect to hear back from them about about stocking it but I understand it's a sensitive issue and um, I just hope that anybody who's considering it actually takes the time to read it and see what it's about before they pass the judgment so a lot of what you've done is work to normalize you know cannabis and even, even, you know, sort of people who, who might've 
been on the other side of it, right? Not, uh, not of the the legal industry and in the illicit market. Right. Why has this sort of fueled you, right? Like, like you know, what is it about the normalization aspect of it that that appeals to you so much? Because I just want to live a normal life. I want to raise my daughter. I want to be a good human being. I want to tribute to, to society and not have the fear that I'm going to go to jail because I don't like to drink beer. I like to smoke a joint and I can maintain myself and function and be a responsible member of society and not be uh, ostracized or, or in threat of uh, law enforcement for that. So it's important to me for this to be normalized because I'm sick and tired of worrying about it. And, and I'm also, I feel sick and tired for other people that they have to worry about it. I'm fortunate. I live in Barcelona. I live in Maine. It's legal in both places. I'm fairly free. But um, for instance, this summer when I travel down to Georgia uh, and New Mexico and some other places in, in the South, I was scared because it's not accepted there. They would never entertain the idea of a children's book about cannabis because they can't understand the first thing about cannabis, that it has many different uses. And the one use that they're worried about getting high is totally okay and doesn't cause any problems really for anybody. And that's the message that is important to me because Cannabis is a huge part of my life. If I have to hide and lie about it to everybody all the time, I'm just going to go to my grave early dealing with stress because I smoke weed all day. No, and the it's interesting because, you know, we're both in, you know, we're decriminalized. We're in Vermont, which is decriminalized and, and you're in Maine. But you go, you know, a couple of hours, you end up in, you know, the Adirondack Mountains in New York and... I mean, they'll, they'll arrest you yeah. and they'll give you a misdemeanor charge. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I, I just, you know, just want to say how frustrating that is, living, is. living on the East coast. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Um, so I want to talk to you more about, uh, you know, you mentioned Barcelona, you mentioned the vice documentary. I want to talk to you definitely about that. Uh, before we do that, got to take a short break. This is the entrepreneur.com podcast. If you are looking for a job in the rapidly growing and highly competitive cannabis industry, Gontrepreneur.com is the place to look. Visit the Gontrepreneur job board today to browse current openings with cannabis companies throughout the United States, from entry-level bud tender positions to executive-level career opportunities. You can also create a profile and upload your resume to be discovered by cannabis recruiters. Visit our job board at jobs.gontrepreneur.com to create your profile today. If you are a business owner, you can post your job openings for as little as $25 on our job board to reach the largest and most engaged audience of cannabis professionals on the web. Companies who are listed in the Gontrepreneur Business Directory are eligible for free job listings. If you are already signed up, contact us today via the website or send us an email at grow at to activate your unique coupon. Hey, welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, here with Russ Hudson, a cannabis consultant and author of the children's book, What's the Weed? and autobiography, Weed Deeds from Seed to Sage. And also, according to Vice, the guy who gets paid to smoke weed. Um, so, so... You know, one of the, when I was, when I was, you know, found out I was interviewing you when we, we when we touched base a while back, I, I started looking at, you know, a variety of things that you've done, you're, you, which is a lot. And, you know, obviously the Vice documentary 
is something that sort of stuck out because of the narrative and, and the catchy, the catchy sort of title. Um, and when I saw that, I was like, oh, well, well, this will be interesting. This is like the most interesting guy in the world on weed, right? So, um, so t- you know, tell me about how that came about, right? Like, how did you end up the subject of this, this Vice documentary? Well, I was doing a lot of work in Barcelona and making a name for myself. I earned a lot of trusts uh, from the industry there and uh, a lot of um, positions of trust uh, amongst various cannabis clubs and their related grows and transport operations. So b- briefly, can you can you just sort of inform people about what the deal is in, in Barcelona to, who might not know? Okay, yes. Uh, in Spain and particularly in Barcelona, um, cannabis is uh, legal um, through liberal privacy laws um, and through a constitutional right to association. So there are cannabis clubs all over the country. Uh, there's around 200 in the Barcelona area alone. And uh, in general, it's uh, fairly accepted and a pretty well entrenched industry. Uh, so I was working in this industry and um, one club in particular, La Mesa, was considered the best uh, club in Catalonia and possibly uh, in all of Spain. And um, vice producers were talking with the club about what's going on in the industry and what's a really interesting story that we can do. And um, the president of La Mesa said, you should talk to Russ Hudson. He's sitting right over there Um, because I I spent a lot of time in the club working and playing chess and hanging out. And um, that conversation with Vice uh, took course over about a year and a half. Uh, different angles that we could approach, um, different types of content. And uh, in the end, through talking to me sort of in a fixer, a media fixer capacity, they uh, decided that they wanted to do a, a feature specifically about me and my work. Um, and that's, uh, that's how that came about. So are you the guy who gets paid to smoke weed? I mean, that's like saying you're a guy who gets paid to eat because you work a job and you get money and then you buy food and you eat it. Um, I was a little disappointed to see that Vice had produced certain versions of that documentary with the title, the meet the guy who gets to pay, gets paid to smoke weed because it's really not true. Um, I do evaluate strains. I've evaluated strains for my own website. I've evaluated strains and products for clients. So the clients pay me for my professional opinion and experience. Sometimes part of my function includes smoking the actual product that they have developed, but I'm not getting paid to smoke weed. (laughs) The, so, I mean, but, but still, I mean, it's pretty awesome what you do. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what what can you tell me can you pinpoint sort of the best strain that you've ever smoked or you know a one that particularly stands out to you I mean, that's such a loaded question. There's so many strains. They have so many different purposes and smells and types. And um, 
it depends on what I want. If I want to uh, be intellectual and social and kick your ass in a game of chess, I'm probably going to go with a haze, super lemon haze, super silver haze, Neville's haze, amnesia haze, anything along those lines. Um, if I want to kick back with my wife at the end of the night and get really deep into a movie, I'll go for an indica like zombie kush uh, is probably my favorite indica. Uh, OG kush and Tahoe OG and um, all those heavy hitting cushions I also like for those same more chilling kind of purposes. But to say what's the best strain, it depends on who you are and, and who you are at that particular moment. Uh, you, you have a five-step process, right, for, for reviewing strains. I did. You did? Yes. What, what, what was that process? The process was basically to evaluate the cannabis from the outside first, looking at it under the microscope to see if I could f detect any contaminants, mites or mold, dirt, uh, anything like that, fibers, clothing fibers. Um, and then from there to continue um, breaking into the bud, examining the smell of the exterior, the smell of the interior, how it feels in your hands when you break it up, whether it's cured properly, and really examining all of the uh, pieces of information that you can get about looking at a piece of weed before you actually smoke it. And then, of course, the reviews would progress to smoking the cannabis, uh, usually in a water bong, and then evaluating uh, the effects that I felt from that strain in a set time frame and doing this repeatedly with a particular strain for a period of about five days to seven days. But I don't do, uh, I don't publish cannabis strain reviews anymore. Um, I also own the site cannabaster.com. My most recent post talked about how marijuana strains don't really mean anything. And so I'm no longer doing reviews because I never really know whether the strain that I think I have is the strain that it's being marketed as, or, or if scientifically that's even really a discernible thing, which we're not 100% clear on that yet. Um, so uh, I'm no longer doing the, the five-step process and I'm working on looking at a scientific analytical process that combines the reporting of the effects and we're, I'm not there yet. So I, I, that's, that's really interesting that, that you sort of don't believe that strains I I'm, you know, it, the way that they, they sort of from, from state to state, right. You, you see something in California, you see something in Colorado, they're called the same thing, but a lot of times there's, there's variances. That's right. So I've, I, you know, when, when, whenever, you know, I, I, I get some trees, I, I basically, I, I don't care, you know, as long as it smells good, as long as it tastes good, you know, it does what I want it to do at that time, you know, and people, you know, they'll ask the name and, you know, just like I asked you the name, you know, a, a bit earlier and, you know, at the end of the day, did it really matter? Right. <laughs> no. And you know, the other thing, and this is the ultimate bottom line about strain reviews. I believe the uh, title of my article was why marijuana strain reviews are worthless. And the reason is, Tim, if I give you right now, um, amnesia haze seeds from Sensi seeds, 
a very established, reputable grower. And I take some of those same exact seeds for myself and you go and grow them and I go and grow them. We are going to produce two radically different finished products and all of the variables along the way from lighting, nutrients, air quality, knowledge, skill level, uh, utilities used, curing methods, all of that has a massive impact on the finished product that you're smoking. So why does my review of some weed that I got in Michigan called Bubba Kush have any bearing on Bubba Kush that you might get down in Florida? Could be totally different plants. And then you have um, different varieties and phenotypes. I mean, there's so many reasons why strain reviews right now are definitely worthless. So what, like if we were to sort of change the culture, right? Like if, if, if there was the opportunity to like, all right, well, let's get rid of the strain idea. And would you move it more towards having like the percentage of THC, THCA, et cetera, et cetera, and a terpene profile? Exactly. Exactly. The best way to say definitively what a strain is and what it's going to do for you is by listing it according to the top three terps. And I discussed this on the Cannabastard site as well. Um, my some rough ideas for that sort of taxonomy. And I think that's the way that we need to go. The, the packaging could still say if people really insist things like Durban poison and amnesia haze, but ultimately there needs to be a classification that tells somebody more at a glance. And I think, I hope that that's the direction that we'll go in. And I mean, because the, the market, you know, it's still so nascent. I mean, you know, that I, I think it would be something that we'd probably have to implement soon before, you know, the, the wave sort of crests, you yeah. know, and then, and then we have to like basically sort of train an entire consumer base, which would be a massive undertaking. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. We're there with cannabis. We're there with uh, gay rights. We're there with electric vehicles. We have entire classes of people that need radical re-education in order to make this work. And uh, hopefully it will still happen despite the resistance that we're seeing right now. So I want to I, I want to actually talk to you about the resistance that you guys are getting in Maine right now from... Uh, Mr. Paul LePage. Every time I say his name, I, I, a little piece of me dies. Um, but before we do that, we got to take a break. This is Gontrepreneur.com podcast. At Gontrepreneur, we have heard from dozens of cannabis business owners who have encountered the issue of cannabis, which is when a mainstream business, whether a landlord, bank, or some other provider of vital business services, refuses to do business with them simply because of their association with cannabis. We have even heard stories of businesses being unable to provide health and life insurance for their employees because the insurance providers were too afraid to work with them. We believe that this fear is totally unreasonable and that cannabis business owners deserve access to the same services and resources that other businesses are afforded, that they should be able to hire consultation to help them follow the letter of the law in their business endeavors, and that they should be able to provide employee benefits without needing to compromise on the quality of coverage they can offer. 
This is why we created the Gondrepreneur.com Business Service Directory, a resource for cannabis professionals to find and connect with service providers who are cannabis friendly and who are actively seeking cannabis industry clients. If you are considering hiring a business consultant, lawyer, accountant, web designer, or any other ancillary service for your business, go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to browse hundreds of agencies, firms, and organizations who support cannabis legalization and who want to help you grow your business. With so many options to choose from in each service category, you will be able to browse company profiles and do research on multiple companies in advance so you can find the provider who is the best fit for your particular need. Our business service directory is intended to be a useful and well-maintained resource, which is why we individually vet each listing that is submitted. If you are a business service provider who wants to work with cannabis clients, you may be a good fit for our service directory. Go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to create your profile and start connecting with cannabis entrepreneurs today. Hey, welcome back to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, here with Russ Hudson, cannabis consultant and author of the children's book, What's That Weed? An autobiography, uh, Weed Deeds from Seed to Sage. Pretty cool guy. Um, so you live in Maine, Liberty, Maine. Right. It's a pla- place that sounds like pretty dope from what you've... what you've. <laughs> its name is apt. <laughs> um, you guys pass voter ballot initiative pass ballot initiative and you know first you get a moratorium it gets pushed back six six months to to yeah. july 2018 and then the legislature they have at it uh and they pass you know their amendments their their mm-hmm. sort of rules and mm-hmm. that sort of thing and then you get governor paula page who vetoes the whole thing you know, a couple of months before it was originally supposed to start. Right. So, yeah. so, you know, to it, their moratorium kind of helps a little bit, I guess, but so, I mean, you guys got some things you, you have possession now you can, you mm-hmm. have the home grow. So, so some of the stuff went into, uh, right. went, went into effect. Right. Um, just sort of, you know, as a guy who's working in the state, as a guy who I'm sure, you know, is, is pretty clued in with what's going on there. What what the hell is going on there? Well, basically, the will of the people has been subverted again. Uh, we had this happen in Portland years ago, and now we're having it happen at the statewide level. Our governor has basically said, I don't feel that we're ready to proceed with recreational cannabis sales, commercial sales, or um, social cannabis clubs. Um, he's basing that decision, in my opinion, on a complete lack of accurate information. Uh, and so now we're over a year away. Basically, we can um, sit and wring our hands for another year and try to bring another bill and try to work out the kinks and the details until we get it to a position that somebody is going to pass through. Um, where that's going to end up, we don't really know right now, but uh, Maine is still a great place to be. We've decriminalized. Uh, you can the medical program in the state is is great, and um, there's ample caregivers to provide for patients. Um, and of course, uh, possession of a couple ounces is still not a crime. Um, so Maine is a good place to be, but from a business standpoint, uh, we have been stymied. So. You know, a lot of producers in the state, I'm sure they were they were chomping at the bit when when the bill passes, you know, and and so what has this obstruction 
done to the business owners that you're talking about, you're talking to in Maine? Right now we have millions of dollars that have been uh, invested into various properties and facilities and processes and technology and research. And all of that is is sort of in a holding pattern now. For some people, that's good. Um, We have a big problem in Maine where we can process hemp, but we don't have the infrastructure or the know-how to do it. So in some respects, a little bit more time is good for some people, but what they've done is they've really just blanketed, um, the whole, the whole issue for commercial operations that are not caregivers and the six licensed dispensaries. So, um, we basically have not seen any forward movement, even though it has now been a year since the main people voted to make recreational marijuana legal to adults. Do you think that this is going to play out past LePage? Do you, do you think that the will of the people is going to stay subverted until Paul LePage is out of, out of the governor's seat? I think that he would like to see that happen. Interesting. <laughs> I think that as, as long as he has some type of control, I mean, let's be real here. Um, LePage is Chris Christie is Dref Sessions. They're all the same guy. And as long as they have control over the way we do our cannabis operations, we're not going to have the freedom to do it the right way. So is, is, is it sort of a double-edged sword for you, though, in terms of, you know, you still you can, you can grow, you know, and mm-hmm. so, so, and there's, and the, the caregiver network is really extensive. Mm. So, you know, are people, you know, are, are the, are the patients in Maine and are the, you know, sort of the average consumer in Maine, are, are they being held back by the slowness of legalization? Yes, of course they are. And, and this is, you know, for me, one of the biggest initiatives that I want to see in the state is cannabis social clubs. Um, I believe that we should be starting there without having culture and some type of education and way for people to be educated and to learn. We're still living sort of in the shadows. And even the, the, Thousands of people that use cannabis in Maine still have very little actual knowledge about why they use it and how to use it and how it could better benefit them. Or maybe they're not doing themselves a service by using cannabis if they have some type of, of chronic lung condition. Or and, and so what you have now is mostly regular Joes, caregivers who are growing for local patients. And this uh, veto by LePage is a big problem because it's going to set everybody back. We need the culture. We need the society. We need the education. And the only way to make that happen is to l- liberize, uh, uh, liberate, liberate um, from a commercial standpoint um, and possibly talk about some education in schools. I mean, I know in schools they're educating kids about alcohol and drugs. And as of now, I assume that they're still just lumping cannabis in there as uh, an evil weed. And then, you know, going back, I mean, they have a tool now, you know, I mean, if you show that to a, you know, kindergarten, first grade, if, you know, in schools and I mean, but imagine the backlash, man. Wow. Yeah. Like I, I just, it just sort of hit me like exactly what would happen if, if a, a first grade or second grade teacher 
you know, even a kindergarten teacher would bring that book into their classroom. And that, that's not a world, man. <laughs> even for me, it's difficult to imagine that happening. And it is a sort of specialty subject. It doesn't necessarily need to be taught in schools, um, but certainly carried in libraries and available to parents like a normal book when they, as a cannabis user, want to teach their kids about cannabis. Or maybe they're not a cannabis user, but they're a hemp fan. And maybe they own a textile business and they understand the value of hemp. And so they want to teach their child that, you know, this lie that we've been sold, that it's just people getting high in their basements, uh, is a big lie. And um, there's many more lies than that, as you well know. You're not going to see a children's book, uh, you know, of somebody, basically an alcohol based children's book, right? Where, you know, people are falling down and, you know, there's probably fights. And I mean, I, and that's an accurate representation of, of, you know, that if I had children, which, which I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would, I do have a niece and nephew though. So, mm-hmm. you know, bring that to them. So <laughs> okay. anyway, man, um, so before we go, I got to ask you, you know, you're, you're a consultant. That's what you do. Um, what's your advice for, you know, entrepreneurs, people entering this, this industry, you know, maybe not in Maine, but, but, you know, those just in any sort of legal market. Well, if the market is legal, then they really have to figure out what their talent is and and they need to um, specialize in that talent because what's happening right now in the cannabis industry is it's literally growing every day. In fact, uh, I was just having a conversation with the folks down here in Burlington at Full Tank about how virtually every shop that I go into, I learn about a new product, a new technology, new types of events. And so there's going to be a lot of need for specialists, cannabis, um, business entrepreneurs and employees, um, specialists who work in curing, uh, who work in technology and ventilation. So I would say to anybody in a legal industry, figure out what your skill is. What are you really good at that you like to do? And then apply that to cannabis because chances are almost anything that you're into can be applied to cannabis in some way. And and finally, you know, where can people uh, find out more about you? Where can they, you know, get what's that weed? Where can they get your, your autobiography? Um, you know, just, just how do they find you? Well, What's That Weed, the children's book, is available on Amazon in uh, Kindle paperback and hard copy. Uh, Weed Deeds, my autobiography, is also available on Amazon, uh, though only in paperback and Kindle. Um, People can learn more about me on marijuanagames.org, cannabisconsultant.com, or... um, That's right, Cannabiz uh, with a Z, consultant.com, or um, they can check out cannabastard.com, which is where I call the cannabis industry out on its crap. It's really a pleasure to meet you. Um, It's really cool to hang out with you and, you know, sort of, you get to see Burlington, which is a cool as hell city. And man, I hope to see you again. It's, It's really been, it's really been a good time. I appreciate it. Cool. Thanks, Tim. I had fun. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, T.G. Brandt.